So let's talk about diabetes. What is diabetes? Sweet urine. Okay. It is, does mean sweet urine, but what is it? It is a group of metabolic diseases that has one thing in common. And what's that one thing? High blood sugar. Now, type 1 diabetes is completely different than type 2. Which of the two major causes accounting for like 99.9% .9 of all diabetes? What? Type 2. Type 2 and type 1. Type 1 is responsible for about how many? How many? About 10%. And what's the major problem in it? What is the underlying disease? Beta cells being destroyed by the immune system. So it would be called an autoimmune disease. So once you've killed the beta cells, can we produce any insulin at all? No. Does it happen all at once? No, it does not. And in fact, what happens to most people after they're diagnosed? They get better. What do we call that? The honeymoon phase. And why is that bad for kids? It gets their hopes up. It makes them think that the doctor was wrong. They don't really know. What are the stages of uh, denial. denial? So it enforces their denial. So they go, I'm not really sick. I got better because I have the honeymoon phase. Now, how could we test to see the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? What? No. Okay. It, all right, say that again. How would that help? Okay, so if you're giving them insulin, it's really hard to see, well, do they have insulin production? I don't know. I just gave them insulin. But if you test for C-peptide, what does that tell you? If they're producing it, they'll have C-peptide. If you're just giving them the artificial and that's all they're getting, how much C-peptide will there be? None. So checking for C-peptide can tell the difference. All right, what is the problem with type 2 diabetes? What's resistant? Insulin resistance. Now, as the body becomes insulin resistant, what's going to happen? Well, before that, you're going to increase the amount of insulin in the body. What's that called? Hyperinsulinemia. Now, we're not quite sure whether it's the high insulin levels or whether it's the insulin resistance itself that causes all the trouble. But what do these patients tend to die from? Yep. They tend to die from heart attack and strokes. Now, this is not related to their blood sugar. They can have normal blood sugar and still have a high chance of dying of MI and stroke. So it's a different disease. They both end up with high blood sugar, but different reasons. So what's gonna, why does this person end up with high blood sugar? Because 
two reasons. One is perhaps the pancreas can't increase insulin enough to meet the resistance. Or eventually the pancreas begins to fail and actually secretes less. And depending on where the patient is in the disease process, it will probably start out with the first one that the resistance just goes higher than the pancreas can handle. But it's still doing just fine in terms of overall production. But eventually it will begin to fail and produce less. All right, now, in, what do these diseases have in common? Oh, well, you can tell me. High blood sugar. Now, what does high blood sugar cause? What are the effects? Okay, the three polys. What are they? Polydipsia, polyuria, and polyphagia. Why would a person have polyphagia? Because their cells are starving. They're surrounded in blood sugar, and they can't eat it and get it inside to use it. So they begin to starve. Why would the patient have polyuria? Okay, so what does that mean, spilling in urine? The glucose spills into the... What does that mean? Okay, let's go back to the kidney lecture for a moment. What, get, what gets filtered into the tubule? everything except cells and proteins. So if blood sugar is 250 in the blood, what's the glucose going to be in the urine? The same, 250. All right, because everything gets filtered. It'll be exactly the same. Now, what's going to happen in the tubule as it goes down proximal lupa Henle? It's going to get reabsorbed. Approximately how much can get reabsorbed? 180. 180. So if we can absorb 180 and we had 250 to begin with, now we've got 70 left over. What's this extra 70 left over going to do to our urine? Well, it's going to make it sweet. And what happens when there's more stuff dissolved in a place? What does it become? What do we call that? Hypertonic. So hypertonicity is going to draw water, which is going to increase the urine. And that's called osmotic diuresis. Okay, so... It's because of osmotic diuresis, because your body can only pull back in how much blood sugar? Or how much sugar from the urine? 180, approximately. So anything left over increases osmotic pressure, which is going to cause osmotic diuresis. All right, and then why would we have the polydipsia? Because they're losing so much water, they have to replace it. Now, is our patient going to be gaining weight, staying the same, or losing weight? Why would they be losing weight? Because their body's starting to get Alright. So even though they're swimming in blood sugar, the body can't use it, so it starts asking for an alternative fuel source. And what's that alternative fuel source? Fat. Now, so a person is going to lose weight 
And then what's going to happen to them? As they switch over from burning sugar to burning fat, they're going to have a buildup of what breakdown product? Ketones. And that's going to cause ketoacidosis. How do we know a patient is in ketoacidosis? All right, so one thing is the fruity breath. Now, what kind of fruit did I say it was going to smell like? Rotten fruit. It's not going to be a good, it's not a good fruit smell. It's not juicy fruit. It's kind of like rotten fruit. Have you ever smelled a cantaloupe that was just a couple days too much? Kind of like that. All right, what else are we going to notice about this patient? Kusmal breathing. Why are they going to have kusmal breathing? And why are they in respiratory alkalosis? Because they're compensating. So the Kusmal breathing, patient's breathing very fast, very deeply. And what, is that, what are they trying to do? Blow off acid. So they're creating a, a respiratory alkalosis to compensate for their metabolic acidosis. And one more thing, what are they going to have? How are you going to know they're in ketoacidosis? Think renal lecture. Ketones in the urine, and what's that called? Ketonuria. Sometimes you'll see it spelled with the N, and sometimes you won't. All right, so these are the three things that are going to lead us to believe this patient is in ketoacidosis. What else could we do to this patient to make sure? We could suck blood, and then we can look at their blood sugar, but will that tell us if they're in ketoacidosis or not? What do we have to do then? Okay, you could do an arterial blood gas, but can we look at anything on the BMP? What? Their bicarb level, which is going to be reported as CO2. So on, on the BMP, it's going to... What is a BMP, by the way? Did, did, did we talked about this, didn't we, Kelly? I'm sure we did, but just to refresh your memory, it's a basic metabolic panel. What are the things on this basic metabolic panel? Sodium, potassium, chloride, calcium, bicarb, but it's going to be reported as CO2, but you have to cross that out and put bicarb in your mind or on the paper for real. I don't care either way. And what else is in there? Cre creatinine, BUN, and... Glu glucose. That's a basic metabolic panel. Um, sometimes they call that a chem 8. What's a chem 7? All of that, but what's missing? Calcium. All right, so we could take their BMP and we could look at their CO2 levels. And if, what would that number be to show us that that's ketoacidosis? It would be high, low, or normal? That would be low. So if that's low, that means we've got metabolic acidosis. We could then, if we really wanted to, there's not necessarily a need to, but you could also draw their blood. But what kind of blood is that? Arterial, Arterial blood gas and check that. But what are you going to see? Metabolic acidosis and respiratory alkalosis. And you already knew that because you've got ketones in the urine 
and you got the Ku small breathing. So you don't need the other things, but you might. They're nice yeah. to know. Okay, why would potassium be high? Not osmotic. Potassium would be high, but why? Well, it is a potassium pump, but it's not the sodium potassium pump. It's the Sagan? It's the hydrogen potassium pump. Now, why would we be pumping hydrogens and potassiums? Okay. So pH means there are more hydrogen ions. That should be an arrow. More hydrogen ions. And we're going to try and pump those out of the blood into cells in urine. And in exchange, we're going to give them potassium. How are we going to treat this patient now that we've now that we know that their potassium is high? And they're in ketourea, ketoacidosis. How are we going to treat this patient now? Okay, we're going to give them insulin. And what type of insulin would we probably give them? What kind of what kind of insulin would we probably give them? Probably IV. And if it's not IV, what kind would we give? A fast-acting or regular. What are the two fast-actings? Lispro and Aspart. What are the brand names? Humalog and Novalog. The logs are the short ones. Got to remember that. Because on the, on the little vial, it's not necessarily going to say Lispro and Aspart. Because physicians usually aren't going to order Lispro and Aspart. They're going to order... Humalog and Novalog. All right. Say again? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it should be on the vial, but that's not how the physician is going to order it. So they just don't think that way. All right. Um, as the patient, as the patient gets treated for their insulin, for their uh, blood pressure, blood sugar with insulin, what do you have to monitor? Okay, so we have to monitor blood sugar. What do we expect to happen to it? Go down. What else do we have to monitor? Potassium, why? Because it's going to go down too. Why? Well, for one thing, as we correct the blood sugar problem, we're going to stop the keto pro ketone production. So that'll lower the amount of acid in the body, which will self-correct. What else is going to make potassium go lower? All right, so what's going to make the potassium go low besides correcting the, the uh, acidosis? Well, that is the acidosis, the pH. What else is going to make potassium go lower? What are the treatments? What are the treatments for high potassium? You just answered your question. No, no one said that yet. The insulin itself will make the potassium go lower. At least I didn't hear it. What? I didn't say it yet. 
All right, so the potassium is going to go down for two reasons. What are those two reasons? The insulin. insulin treatment and correction of the pH. All right, what else needs to be um, monitored? On those electrolytes, what, what other electrolytes are probably abnormal? Sodium and possibly chloride. So we need to monitor sodium and chloride as well. Now, when the patient first comes in, are they going to be probably dehydrated or normal hydration? Dehydrated. dehydrated. So in addition to the insulin, we might have to give them some fluids as well. As they get to normal blood sugar, are they going to keep peeing as much? So what are we going to have to start doing? Monitoring. What happens if you give someone too much, blood, too much um, fluid? What happens to them? Okay, before they go into the heart failure, they become what? Hypervolemic. And what would that do to their blood pressure? Go up. So you're going to be monitoring their fluid status. So you're going to monitor their urine, and you're going to monitor their blood pressure. Now, we shouldn't be giving them so much that it's going to make their blood pressure go up, but we do need to make sure we keep monitoring that urine output. And as it starts to go down, probably dial back on the, on the amount of fluid. Now, where's this patient going to be? What part of the hospital? They're going to be in an ICU. So in the ICU, nurses have a lot more leeway and decision-making than they do on a regular floor. So some of the things we say, you're going to do this and you're going to do that, well, on the floor, no, you're not going to do those things. You can ask the physician to order them and then do them. And in the ICU, you're going to work a lot more closely with the physician. So you will be making more of these decisions in the ICU than you would on the floor, just to clarify. Okay. Um, what else do you want to know about diabetes? Say again? That, all right, now, is that more common in type 1 or type 2 diabetes? Type 1. Type 2 diabetics usually don't get high enough to go into ketoacidosis. Right. But now, the people with type 2 can get the three polys. In addition to the polys and the ketoacidosis, what's the other big, um, what's the other big sign or symptom of diabetes? High blood sugar. What? Impaired vision. Now, if a patient's got high blood sugar and we bring that blood, pressure, that blood sugar back down, what will that do to their eyes? It'll make their vision magically come back to normal. Now, these are we call what kind of signs and symptoms? When do they occur? Long-term or short-term? What's that called? Acute. So these are acute signs and symptoms of what but what part of diabetes of the high blood sugar itself okay this right here the mi and stroke is that what's that a, what's that from is that from the blood sugar itself what's that from then is from the insulin resistance all right now, talking about the blood sugar itself, what are the long-term effects of blood sugar itself? The chronic effects. There are three. And they all end in pathy. So the neuropathy, the nephropathy, and the retinopathy. 
All right, so now neuropathy, what is that going to cause? Okay, so it can cause gastroparesis. What else? Numbness, which will lead to amputations eventually. What else? Heartburn from gastroparesis. What's Charcot joints? I'm not telling you, you get to look that one up on your own. Now, what's nephropathy? I'm not saying nothing. What's nephropathy? Kidney disease. What's the major sign of kidney disease? How are we going to check to see if they've got this problem? How are we going to check? Think renal again. What's in their urine? protein. So as we damage the arteries in the kidney over time with high blood sugar, we're going to get protein spilling into the urine. And what's it called when you have just a tiny itty bitty bit of protein in the urine? Well, that's just, okay, you're very close. You got the micro right. Now what's the major? Microalbuminuria. So that's the early sign. The late sign is what we call gross proteinuria. All right, and retinopathy. Number one cause of blindness in the United States. What is it? Diabetes. Diabetes. What's the number two? Hypertension. And um, a lot of patients like to get what two diseases together? Diabetes and hypertension. Now, out in the real world, well, in the real world, hmm, out in the community, there's a lot of people who have just one or just the other. But do those people come to the hospital that often? No. no. Who comes to the hospital more often? The people who have both together because they are sicker. So in the hospital, you're going to see all of these things together a lot. So keep that in mind. Um, what's the best way to prevent these three things? Keep the blood sugar low. What's the best way to prevent this? Keep the blood sugar low, which can include therapeutic lifestyle changes. And what's the best way to avoid these MI and stroke? Well, keeping the blood sugar low is part of it. But remember, this is not related so much to the blood sugar as it is to the insulin resistance. How are we going to change the insulin resistance? Okay, but we're going to use diet and lifestyle changes, and you're also going to treat high blood pressure and cholesterol and other things like that. All right, uh, we're done. If you'd like some more review, um, we can arrange for some on Friday.